coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Check your insurance. Your primary care physician is retiring on November 1st. And it's Dr. Mario. It's dangerous to go alone. So the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined as I am always joined by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including new updates to new Pokemon Snap and Animal Crossing. And then on Thursday, we are marking 10,000 days without a new entry in the Star Tropics franchise with a mega ranking of things from Star Tropics. But Mark, in the meantime, how you doing? I'm I'm doing great. I can't believe that it's been ten thousand days. Ten thousand days since the last. I'm just imagining the world's biggest Star Tropics fan, who may or may may not be Patrick Ellers, and like what, just an, what <laughs> just an etch in the wall for mm-hmm. every day that a new Star Tropics game has not been announced. I mean, this is an important day that we all uh, should have acknowledged. But I should have prepared everyone that it was coming up. It was uh, it was July thirty first. Uh, so over the weekend, we had to celebrate isn't right we had to uh honor and recognize the 10,000th day in a row without the release of the new <laughs> star tropics game <laughs> um yeah uh so yes we we will be celebrating that game uh in or we will be celebrating the first one not the second one which was released 10,000 days ago 10,002 days ago um on Thursday uh but mark right now we're telling you about the Sonic Forces borrowing program. Uh, you can borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch if you want. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And give us a mailing address or we can send you, again, my copy of Sonic Forces uh, for the Nintendo Switch. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. It doesn't cost you anything. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. There's nothing we can do about that. Sometimes the goose is just in the box and that's what you have to play instead of Sonic. Yep. The other thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate it a ton. It helps people find the show. It helps the show grow. If you leave us a five-star review on the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, we will give you a shout-out on the show. If you leave a review anywhere else or you favorite it or do whatever you can do to promote the show, and it is outside of the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, Send us a email, send us a Twitter DM, let us know, and we would love to give you a shout out on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we, we really do appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who has done it so far. Um, and no, no shade or shame or any, uh, towards anyone that hasn't reviewed yet. But, you know, like, what are you waiting for? Like, right? <laughs> um, Mark, before we get into uh, the news and all that stuff this week, um, we've got a debug from a previous episode. Um, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about modernizing the Zelda games, and we got a debug from Super Game Joy at Super Game Joy on Twitter. Uh, and the debug reads um, Debug for this app. The original Japanese release for Zelda did not require a password for saves. It was originally released on the disk system, which, would, which used read write functionality for saves, as it did with Kid Icarus and Metroid. Zelda was later re released on Famicom with battery save. That is, of course, right. I said that in Japan it was originally a, uh, a a password save feature, which is actually what they used in the states for a couple of games 
because they didn't they weren't using the Famicom disk system uh, in in the U.S. So uh, I I did have um, some some details messed up there at Super Game Joy, uh, keeping us honest, keeping us in check. Uh, we do appreciate it. So uh, thank you for that. Um, Mark, we also have an email from Alana. Um, it's a good long email, Alana. Thank you for uh, writing in. Um, it was a, a, an interesting read, and I'm going to share uh, the rest of it with uh, Mark um, later. But uh, so, some interesting questions here, just sort of uh, that, that I wanted to read from the email. Uh, she writes, Hi, Patrick and Mark. I have spent the last couple of months uh, diving into a rabbit hole, diving into the rabbit hole that is Nintendo ROM hacks, mainly due to wonderful streamers and YouTuber, YouTubers such as Simple Flips and Snooplax. I've been listening to your show for years now, and I can't really recall any mention of, of the Nintendo ROM hack community, and I think it might be time to change that. If you're not familiar with ROM hacks, they are essentially fan, uh, fan games made using, original game, using the original game engines. By far, the most popular game to create ROM hacks for is Super Mario 64. It also seems that, uh, that uh, Nintendo 64... Uh, te- uh, sorry. It also seems that Nintendo 64 tends to get the lion's share of ROM hacks, though they exist for practically every every classic system. It's absolutely incredible what ROM hackers are are able to create nowadays, especially with Super Mario 64. For example, I recently watched a playthrough of a hack that added Odyssey's move set, Cappy, and uh, capture abilities to the game. Uh, and uh, Alana goes on to uh, mention a, a bunch of other different uh, ROM hacks and the sort of uh, features that they bring. Uh, to the community that uh, engages with them. Um, Mark, generally speaking, I would say we don't bring up ROM hacks on this show because there's like a gray to just dark area of uh, legality where it comes to uh, playing them, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly, part a lot of it for me is just ignorance. Like the only sure. ROM hack that I really have ever seen run, or at least know that I'm watching is like the Kaizo Mario Brothers 3 ROM hack that sure. um, was featured in some games done quick speedruns in previous years. That I, I, uh, It's really cool for me to hear that Mario 64 is like the go-to hacked game um, because I totally expected it would be Mario Brothers 3. But again, that's because that's like my very limited glimpse into ROM hacks. Um, it's almost like the Super Mario Brothers 3 one is like, Mario Maker before Mario Maker existed, right? Yeah, totally. Like, uh, they use the assets from Super Mario Brothers three, and then occasionally throw in something from like uh, Super Mario Brothers two USA or the original Super Mario Brothers, and just create these like absolutely wild, like just demented levels that are incredibly difficult but really fun to watch. That sounds awesome. That somebody put like the Odyssey yeah. move set into Mario sixty four. Uh, it kind of makes me want to check it out a little bit more. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know we've talked a little bit about uh, when it comes to like uh, GDQ or, uh, you know, other um, uh, events like that. We've talked about like the Super Metroid randomizer or like the Link to the Past randomizer, which like puts it just shuffles where all the items are. All the treasure chests become uh, kind of moved around and you have to approach the game totally differently depending on what items you uh, encounter when. Uh, and that there's also a uh, Link to the Past, uh, Link to the Past Super Metroid, like mashup randomizer that like you're playing both games at once and you get items for one game and the other um and so like there there certainly are uh, a handful of rom hacks that you and i are sort of tangentially related to um but i guess i i, I guess i i suppose i i don't actually know what the um like how they're obviously not sanctioned by nintendo and it's uh using 
their assets without their permission, um, which I don't know. I guess uh, I, 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 I don't really know where I land on that. Just, you know, a lot of these games have been around so long that it's just fun to see people experimenting with them. Um, so I don't really know that I have like a, an ethical objection to it. I just wonder about like what, what is, what is actually legal in these situations? Yeah, that's a good question. I have no idea what the legality is, but to me, it, it seems almost like a, uh, you know, like a, um, fan hack where you would be putting, yeah, totally. you know, like a fan translation or something like that, where I don't think the people who are doing this are like selling it or trying to get rich off of it. It's just for love of these games, which I think, right. um, I think is really cool. Yeah, uh, and you know, uh, Alana calls out. Uh, hold on, I want to find the, the the partner email here that uh, I, I I liked quite a bit. Um, she says, although I am still new to ROM hacks, their seemingly limitless potential excites and inspires me. I wanted to share my thoughts with the two of you because I think you could feel the same. You're both consistently coming up with great ideas that riff on Nintendo's established works, and I think you would enjoy ROM hacks for that reason alone. I was also thinking that because there's so much fresh content in regard to hacks, you two could find some great ways to incorporate them into your episode ideas, um, which is uh, a good point. Look, uh, Mark, we've talked about a lot of things on this show, um, and you know we keep going like, hey, did we rank Koopas already? <laughs> <laughs> Look, we are always looking for content, so yeah. this, this seems like a good avenue that we could start exploring. Yeah, so th- thanks for the nudge, Alana. I think we probably are going to start uh, looking into uh, some of this uh, and, you know, just kind of keep our eyes peeled. If you have other um, specific recs, I know you have some in that uh, email, um, shoot them our way, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And that goes for anyone, not just Alana. Um, if you have uh, cool ROM hacks that you think we would be into, um, you know, let us know. Uh, all right, Mark, are you ready to get into what we've been playing this week? Yeah, let's do it. So I have been uh, playing The Legend of Zelda, The Skyward Sword, which I continue to take at a uh, leisurely pace, a slothful pace. (laughs) I am playing this game nice and slow. Um, Since last we spoke, I finished The Forest Temple. Um, Like I I had not been able to uh, defeat uh, Girahim in the sword fight uh, one-on-one. But on my second try, I like roasted him like just destroyed him <laughs> um i, I there's, some, there's something about the way the motion control combat works where like when i'm feeling it i just feel it and it like i'm good at it and it's fun and exciting and then sometimes when like i'm not feeling it and i get grumpy about it um and my last couple sessions with the game i've been feeling it so i don't know if i just like broke past the wall of being grumpy about it uh or what but like I'm really, really loving the combat now. That's nice. I, you know, I um, uh, didn't have an opportunity to play Skyward Sword this week, and I am a little bit nervous when I get back into it, which I'm going yeah. to. Uh, just like I think that with the motion controls and just remembering, like, yeah, you know how you do the that uh attack when the enemy's like down on the ground, right? Like doing like all that kind of stuff. Um, I. I do wonder if there is some sort of like rhythm and that the more you do it, the easier it is. I'm going to be honest, like the Girahim battle, I total, I don't feel like I was doing it the way that it was intended. Like I could not for the life of me figure out like, well, when his hand is over here, which direction am I supposed to hit him from? Like, um, yeah, like I could not get that to trigger, but, uh, it, it worked out. 
<laughs> well, and because there also are like, you know, if if you are getting frustrated with um combat, you can a little bit just like keep slashing, yeah, and keep you blocking can. with the shield until like until like it's done, uh, and you know, use potions and whatever. Because you know how in that bat in the gear he battled like uh, one of his phases, he'll like step back and then a line of like five daggers or whatever yeah. will come at you in a certain angle and so you're supposed to swipe your sword at the right time in that angle to get it and it's like when he's i saw he was doing that i just ran away because i couldn't get the timing of it right i couldn't get the like angle to trigger correctly so it's just like whatever <laughs> i'm just not going to stand around and wait for it i'm just going to run oh geez mark uh i did not put together that you're supposed to s- slash him in, <laughs> in in that direction i just dodged out of the way and then took a swing at him every yeah. time <laughs> um but uh, yeah, g- going back up into the sky and like exploring the other islands in the sky around Skyloft, super fun and rewarding. Like I can't, I I, I was not, exp- I was sort of expecting Skyloft to be like its own like isolated um, hub world, you know, village, which it is still. Um, but there's so much more to explore in the sky and uh, like flying around on the loft wing uh, to find these things was super fun. I was really enjoying it. That was such a fun surprise. Like after you beat the forest temple, um, Faye like kind of kind of directs you and be like, "Oh, hey, there's like something over here that you can go check out." That's the first time that you're like, "Oh, there are other islands here," and that really was like also such a fun surprise for me because I love Skyloft. Like it's my favorite part yeah. of this game by far. But it is the hub that you start in is fairly small, which makes sense as like the beginning village. And so the fact that there is more to it is very exciting. Yeah, and like the the first place that you explore, like off of Skyloft itself, is a, a little island that has like a bar, like a it's got like a pub on it, um, and it's like oh yeah, the uh you know the the guy who is at like the the training station, like he he comes here and like he likes the pumpkin soup, um, and I don't know, there was just something about like uh knowing that there's this interconnected world of like characters that know each other all up in the islands in the sky. Um, just got me so super excited. It felt like I was living in like a a, a breathing world. Um, I also knocked the chandelier down, which is great. Um, <laughs> he makes you pay off uh your your debt by uh you know delivering pumpkin soup around. Um, so that's super fun. And then uh, I went down to the the Elden volcano, um, which is you know where the 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 second dungeon is, and I'm I'm on the approach uh to that dungeon right now, collecting the like key items so I can get in the front door. Um, but it's, uh, what, one thing that really struck me about this, this part of the game is that you, you meet a like race of, um, you know, volcano creatures that are like moles, right? They're, they're like mole men. Um, and I just appreciate how much this game does the like regular Zelda thing, but different. Um, like if this was another Zelda game, those would be Gorons, right? Um, and the... Uh, the Kikwi uh think things that you meant the forest would be uh, either Kokiri or Koroks or whatever. Um, it's it's neat how much this game is inventing its own new mythical creatures. Yeah, and you know, uh, with the last trailer for Breath of the Wild two, where we realize that a lot of it is going to take place seemingly in the sky, it it makes me kind of excited or hopeful at least that we'll get some of these Skyward Sword connections and we'll see some of these races that are introduced in Skyward Sword, like in Breath of the Wild. That would be fun to me. I like those little uh, uh, Kiwi things. I thought they were really yeah. cute. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really cute. Um, 
Oh no, oh, I had a question. I had a question and now it's gone. Oh no, not a question, just kind of an observation. Um, I think it's funny that we accept um, Koroks and uh, Gorons and the Zora now um, because they are so specifically Zelda, right? Like mm-hmm. they are not from the like regular uh, like fantasy um, like tropes, right? Like they're, they're not D&D creatures. They're not Tolkien creatures. Um, they're not from any recognizable mythology. Um, they're just like inventions and they're just like Holy Zelda. I think it's awesome. Yeah, that is really cool. I mean, I guess the closest that you get is like elves and yeah, like like the Hylians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But even they are not like the typical like high elf that, you know, I think of from uh, like Dungeons and Dragons or Forgotten Realms or something. So yeah, that's a really good point because they feel they totally feel like of a piece of all of those, but um, stand wholly unique to Zelda. Yep. Um, we, We got an email about Skyward Sword. From Chariot Goblin. Chariot Goblin writes, uh, Hey, Patrick and Mark, it's my first time playing through Skyward Sword. My first thought when playing Skyward Sword HD was Nintendo definitely likes to reuse technology. The freefall sky- skydiving and sword combat is from Wii Sports Resort. Rolling a bomb is from, Wii Sp- is from bowling in Wii Sports. Landing on a piece of a planet is from Mario Galaxy. And flying the loft wing is similar uh, technology to Mario Galaxy 2's uh, Fluzzard Flying Level. It's also worth noting that Monolith Soft assisted on Skyward Sword. The semi-open world design is definitely Xenoblade 1 technology, uh, especially the wall textures. Skyward Sword may be the ultimate Wii game. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Thanks and keep up the great work. Uh, Chariot Goblin, you nailed it. Uh, that's such a good set of observations that like everything that was like cool and new and novel about how you controlled games on the Wii, um, they just ported into a Zelda game. And I love this idea that, because Skyward Sword was, I guess it wasn't the last um, Nintendo like late, first party yeah. game. But, you know, it, it definitely had to have been like the last like big release. And um, yeah, I, I love this idea that Skyward Sword is like the culmination of the Wii, right? It's like you got Wii Motion Plus, you got all these different elements from other games all put together in one kind of like last hurrah. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think it's, it's, it's a very cool um, observation and, and makes me, um, I, it's, it's, it's such a, a cool way to think about the game and like its place in history, um, which also like complicates it coming out on like a new platform. Um, but yeah, you know, just like we said on our uh, Zelda episodes, like they're so tied into the technology that's available at the time. Uh, and we just want to, we just want those games to exist in perpetuity forever. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how we reconcile that. Um, Mark, we also got uh, an email. This is not uh, Skyward Sword related. Uh, so we're, we're moving off of Skyward Sword. We'll come back to it, I'm sure, many times in the weeks to come. Um, an email from Matt in Edinburgh. He writes, um, uh, he, he's, he's asking about the game Eastward um, and linked us to uh, an IGN video of Eastward's gameplay. And said, Eastward is an upcoming pixel art adventure published by Chucklefish. I've had this game on my radar for a while. After watching the video, I feel a bit disappointed. The artwork, the artwork looks gorgeous and the music sounds awesome, but I can't help but feel like the gameplay looks a bit boring. What do you two think? Um, so we checked out this, uh, this IGN um, preview and uh, the game is sort of a, it looks to me like it's got real... Um, Secret of Mana or Secret of Evermore like vibes to it. It's a top-down 
uh, sort of Zelda-like um, with maybe more like RPG elements to it. Um, uh, adventure that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with the assessment that like the gameplay looks kind of hacky slashy, kind of uh, shallow, um, but the aesthetic is cool. Yeah, the aesthetic is really cool. I, I think this game was announced or revealed for Switch a few years ago, and it's, so it's been long in the works, is my memory anyways. And I follow one of the pixel artists who worked on Eastward um, on Twitter, and you know he's been teasing little animation loops and things, or sharing, yeah. I guess I should say, animation loops and things uh, over the years. And I agree, like, the game aesthetically, like, I think is really, really beautiful. Like, it's really fun. Um, and the music in the gameplay that they showed is pretty awesome and really varied. I, but I agree that like the gameplay loop doesn't seem that fun to like play. Um, it does seem like kind of like Secret of Mana. So, but, but that's the thing, right? Like maybe yeah, Secret of, like Secret of Mana, I think is fun to play, but if I was introduced to it just through a gameplay video, I might feel the same way. So because so much of it seems like a labor of love, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt, even if the gameplay in the trailer itself, or I guess the game in the gameplay video itself didn't do anything for me. Uh, I And also, I've played worse games with worse aesthetics. Like, sometimes aesthetic is all it takes to get you through. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, I think there's also just something to... Because the, the, the gameplay looks, uh, or the combat looks a little on the slow side, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, um, you know, just to compare it to the only game i guess my brain will default to is like it's not snappy like hades right um it's instead like very deliberate and kind of slow like secret of mana um but uh like there's if if that feels right if it feels right in in your hands in the controller um then i feel like all is forgiven right it and you may not be able to tell that um just by watching the the video of it so like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of with you on that, Matt. Uh, but I don't know. I, like the the aesthetics seem like they might be enough to kind of pull pull through. There's no release date for um Eastward yet. Um, so you know we'll we'll keep our eyes on it too. And uh, when like more impressions start coming out, I wonder if that's maybe even one that we could try to get um our our own hands on before it comes out. So. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, I Matt, I completely agree with you. This was a game that I've really been looking forward to. And the this gameplay video definitely kind of like dampered my enthusiasm mm -hmm. for it a little bit, maybe to realistic levels. <laughs> hey, which is good. Let's all set our expectations down to realistic levels <laughs> for all things. Um, all right. Uh, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Patrick, I think August is going to be a bit of a dry month. Um, not we live in Los Angeles. We and live, a drought. Yes, yeah, not a lot going on this week. Um, I the one that I wanted to call out is on Thursday, August fifth. Picross S Mega Drive and Master System Edition will be released. This was a game that was revealed last week after we recorded our news episode. Um, but I think you brought it up on our Thursday episode. There is a yeah, demo do. available for it now if anybody wants to check it out. But Patrick, do you want to give a quick uh, summation of what the game is? Yeah, so it's Picross, but uh, all of the images that you're uncovering instead of being like, uh, you know, an alfresco or like a vase or something. Um, instead, you are uncovering classic 
sprites from Sega Genesis and Master Drive games. Uh, I guess maybe maybe just Mega Drive. Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's a classic Sega sprites. Um, Is it, so, it, it's called Mega Drive and Master System Edition, but are those the same system? Great question. I'm not. I'm. I, I'm going to be honest. Not really sure when it comes to Sega stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're not great at Sega stuff. Um, but I mean, regardless, like you're going to see a Sonic sprite, you're going to see uh, Altered Beast sprites, you're going to see Golden Axe sprites. Like, I'm, I'm there. I'm in. It sounds. Uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for a a, a good Picross game anyway. Um, especially one developed by uh, Jupiter, as this one is. Um, so yeah, I'm there. I'm absolutely there. It's such a good idea. Nintendo, steal this idea. Yeah, steal the idea. I want to be uncovering like little Mario's and Toads and stuff. Like, why? Why isn't this a thing? Why? Why? Why isn't it a huge thing? Yep. Yep. Um, there, there's there's another game on here I wanted to uh to shout out. Also coming out um on the fifth, which is Thursday. Um, is a game called IFO, which uh, was available also on the 3DS and possibly the Wii U, I'm not sure, um, that is uh, sort of like a fake um, Game & Watch game uh, where you it's like a, a shoot-em-up, sort of like a, you're a spaceship uh, flying around avoiding things, um, but it has the aesthetic of Game & Watch. So like you're, even the screen, the like made-up screen that you're watching it through has like little scuffs on it. Oh, um, that's fun. And, and it's all like monochromatic and you know you can sort of like see the like ghost uh of like the lcd that's like not totally faded away um so it, it it's a, it was a neat game on uh 3ds uh they're selling it for under three dollars so um if that's of interest to you uh, it's at least worth the curiosity also last week nintendo updated the snes switch online service with three new games but there were no nes games announced However, Nintendo did add a new SP version of Super Mario Bros. 3 to the NES Switch Online, okay. where you start in World 8 and your inventory, like one, I think it's just one row of your inventory is filled with basically the, the different suits Mario can pick up during the game, um, including some of the rare ones like the uh, Hammer Bro suit. Um, that, that, that is a smart SP version, uh, and... Uh, yeah that's that that's good i still wish these weren't uh didn't appear as like separate games in your library um but that's because i'm a, a library neurotic and now i gotta <laughs> go in and like reorganize my stuff um mark pop pop quiz you can't look it up what are the names of the three games that came to the snes switch online oh i don't week? know i don't know and i uh, not only can't i look it up but when i was writing these notes down i was like should i look it up and then i was like no I want to see if I can do it. I want to see if okay, I can do okay. it. Okay. Uh, so I think one of them is called Jelly Boy. Is that right? <laughs> I, that's, I think that's right. Okay. Uh, Claymates. Okay. Because it's not Clay Fighter. And then the third, I, I cannot remember the third one. <laughs> um, hold on. Let me, uh, <laughs> let, I, 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 like, I'm trying to figure out how can I search for this. I'm not going to. I'm just going to look in our show notes from last week. Yeah, the, um, the best course of action is just see what we said before. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. Claymates, check. Killed it. Yeah. Jellyboy, check. Killed it. Uh, this one, uh, I, there was no way we were going to get it. Bomboozle. Ah, Bomboozle. I remember I was saying that it sounds like a, a, a low-rent Bomberman. Uh -huh. I should have gotten this. I should have gotten it. <laughs> um, all right. So those are the new releases. Mark, let's close this segment out. 
the closing of that segment brings us to a new segment, which is an old segment and a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers did not play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, we are using another suggestion from our 433 episode. This one provided to us by Dominic. Dominic wants to know, what is our quarantine best-watched list? Um, so, what did we watch during quarantine that we liked i guess what made us feel the least quarantine-y um i don't know is, is there anything that jumps to mind for you immediately mark is what's on your quarantine best watch list yeah i mean uh, truthfully i consumed so much during quarantine but what i was in the mood for uh, so much of last year was just like um the fast food of tv my husband yeah. and i watched so many reality shows the, the thing that stands out to me that we got a huge kick out of is we have watched basically every season of Amazing Race, and we loved it. That, like, uh, I had watched The Amazing Race uh, back, you know, in, like, 2005 when it was on, you know, season, like, five or six, and then had not watched it uh, for many, many years. And now it's on season, like, 31. And so it was, it's, it's been a ton of fun to, like, go, like, watch all of them, try to, like, play the game and be like, okay, if we were in this situation, what would we do? <laughs> it, it was kind of like, it was a fun way yeah. to like see the world almost uh, when it, you were in quarantine. Like it, it was a little, felt like a little bit of like normalcy. So that, that was, that's probably like the MVP of quarantine for my husband and I. Uh, that's such a good pick and such a like thing to watch during quarantine. Like it, that it, it's, it's a balm in a very specific way. Um, I almost went, like, my first thought is almost an opposite thought, where, like, the only reason I had, like, the time to uh, watch this show was because of uh, being, like, locked down in, in, in quarantine. I'm referring, of course, to Star Wars The Clone Wars, um, which I'm so glad now that I uh, have that background, um, because the sort of shows that have spun off of it or, like, that are, uh, you know, made from, like, the same people... Um, keep calling back to elements of the Clone Wars. And those are shows that I like a lot more. Late Clone Wars, I love. The Bad Batch, I love. Rebels, I love. Uh, Mandalorian, I think is pretty good. Um, and so I'm getting so much of the mythology callbacks to early Clone Wars um, that weren't always fun to watch, but now I'm so glad that I did. Yeah, it's really, uh, you know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I have made... A number of attempts to watch the Clone Wars and have just had really difficulty getting traction through the first like episodes um, in different like configurations and forms. But one thing that is really interesting is that like the Clone Wars and Dave Filoni, who's one like the showrunner of the Clone Wars, um, it has become such a nexus of Star Wars yeah. now of like new Star Wars that I do feel like uh, without having watched it, like I haven't started the Bad Batch because it feels like it is all interconnected in a way that I'm on the outside of right now. Yeah. And like in, in like a bad, I think it's a bad way, right? That like the Bad Batch is separated as part of this, like this is part of animated Star Wars and the cost of like entry for being a part of that is so high that like, man, it's a, it's a real bummer, but I'm I'm glad that I, 
uh, I'm glad that I did it. And a lot of times it was just me like having it on in the background while I did like other stuff, um, which I would totally recommend. It's the the worst way to recommend a show. Like, don't, <laughs> yeah, watch it, but don't pay attention to it. It's fine. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, ahead. I was just gonna say yeah, because like when like Ahsoka Tano shows up in the Mandalorian season two, it's like I know I know of the character. And I know that she is beloved, but I don't know, like, the specifics of her arc, really. You know what right, I mean? Right, Yes. Uh, and, and there's going to be more stuff like that. Like, uh, there is a character in Bad Batch that if we don't see in this uh, Book of Boba Fett show um, this year, like, is going to be it. But it, it, we, it's a totally blown opportunity if, if she doesn't show up. Um, so, yeah. Other things that I watched during uh, the, the quarantine... Um, I wa- I finally caught up on Succession. Um, that I had seen no episodes of Succession, but uh, uh, watched it all during quarantine. Uh, and that show is great. It's very fun and funny to watch these horrible rich people uh tear each other apart. Yeah, I've heard it's really good. There's a lot of like those shows that I need to catch up on. Um, but really, like, it so much of my life now has been like at the end of the day or when I'm ready to watch something, I'm yeah. like, I want something that is not challenging at all. Like, I, you know, like, yeah. uh, and so that sort of just like disposable, like popcorn TV is, uh, was my quarantine life for sure. Yeah. We watched happy endings twice. So, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that's the applause. We were accompanied today by a juggling troupe at the, S- okay. Saristoniemi museum during the silence festival in Kitalia, Finland. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. New Pokemon Snap gets a new update today at 6 p.m. Pacific time that adds three new areas and 20 new Pokemon to the game. Um, it, it's all for free. It is The three areas are the secret side path, which ha- has both a day and night variation. The description is the Neo 1, which is the ship, shrinks to a tiny size when you explore this area, so the Pokemon you see will look gigantic. You can even hear their breathing and footsteps in this thrilling area, and you might spot new kinds of behavior from Pokemon you've seen before. Also, it looks like at one point you're riding on one of the Pokemon as it like uh, glides down from the trees. Too fun. Um, Mighty Wide River also has a day-night variation. Mighty Wind River is oh, Mighty Wide River is a nurturing water source that provides the whole of Belusivia. No, that that's not right. It's, uh, it's fine. Belsolva, <laughs> something like that, island with sustenance. You'll be conducting research as you ride down the river, so be on the lookout for rapids as you search for Pokemon and keep your camera ready so you don't miss capturing them in action. Belusilva. Is that right? I feel like I'm like I'm reading these letters, but it is constantly rearranging on me. Okay, so Belu Silva. Belu Silva. Silva. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, Baron Badlands. This one I can handle. Oh, actually, I'm looking up what's ahead and maybe I can't. This You're one also great. has a day-night cycle. In this area, you'll research the Badlands of Voluca Island, where dry winds from the desert blow. This area has many peculiar figures, from geysers to poisonous, gas-spewing swamps. Pokemon may be hiding underground or in the rocky cliffs, so keep your eyes peeled for them while you're on your expedition. Uh, super cool to see a bunch of free content coming to new Pokemon Snap, uh, like three months after its release, right? This game came out at the end of April. Um, so that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, I sort of suspect that this is it. Like this is 
the the free content that they uh, were planning slash maybe some of this was supposed to be in the original release of the game. Um, I know some of the uh, Pokemon and areas featured in um, pre-release trailers are from these new areas. Um, so, you know, this may just be that they, they hit a date by cutting some content and then are finally delivering on that content now. Um, but whatever the case, the game was uh, big enough and fully featured enough at launch that uh, this just feels like extra. And there's something about this. Um, I, I didn't buy new Pokemon Snap. I haven't played it, but there's something about this secret side path where it like shrinks you down and there's giant Pokemon. I know that I am like super into. It makes me want to watch like playthroughs of it because I think that's really the enjoyment that I would get from Pokemon Snap is just kind of like being able to see the world, like the actual like taking photos and trying to get that scored. Um, I don't think I would enjoy that much, but just having it almost in screensaver mode is uh, kind of what I want. I mean, that's the joy of playing the game at all is that it, yeah, you're just, you're seeing the world and like discovering Pokemon doing funny things um, like, you know, fighting with each other, or eating a fruit or just like smiling at the camera. Um, like the, the game is wholly experiential, right? Like you're not, um, I know you are accomplishing something, but like, who cares? Uh, the points, <laughs> who cares? Like, I just want to see some cute stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, recently there have been, there's been talk of new updates for Animal Crossing New Horizons and the game has been getting like some updates. There was an update recently that there were, that added like, uh, like fireworks to the game or, Well, it's, it's, it's sort of just re, uh, inserting the fireworks from last summer. Got it. Um, it's sort of just, uh, you know, re redoing that, uh, event cycle, but with a couple, um, new unique items that you can buy in the store. And, you know, like uh, in interviews surrounding E3, Nintendo of America president Doug Bowser mentioned that some new content would be coming or that updates would be continuing. Um, And then with the release of this latest game update that uh, reinstated or brought back the like firework festival from last year, um, Nintendo again reiterated that more updates are coming. And so it, it has fans wondering like what features from previous games that haven't made it over to uh, New Horizons might make an appearance on their island soon, and new data mining from AnimalCrossingWorld.com has led to some speculation that the return of Brewster's Cafe could be in the works. And this is a, a I, I would say, much requested feature that yeah. has not shown up in Animal Crossing yet. It is almost exactly what it sounds like. It is a cute little cafe where um, you can go and have coffee, and Brewster is like this bird who. Um, is the barista in other games? This is where KK Slider would come perform. Uh, so it could be really fun to see it there. There's um. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Patrick. Oh, uh, just that. Uh, it's. I, I I was going to move into like sort of the analysis here. Um, that for me it feels like too little, too or not not too little, but just way too late. Um, Animal Crossing isn't so much like a game that you play so much as it is like a way of life for the time that you're engaging with it right um that it's something that you check in on every day or a couple times a week um and when you fall out of that rhythm uh it's just not like compelling to revisit right um i i I like the game a lot there was a long time where i was playing it with sarah and uh you know that we would talk (laughs) we would talk about our animal neighbors and stuff and we've fallen so far out of that now that uh, I think 
adding another feature or a, a you know a, a one building or something isn't really going to be enough to uh, pull me back. Like you know, it's it's not a completionist kind of game, right? Some of the uh, some of the categories of things are like way too varied or way too big that like you're never going to get it all anyway. Um, so yeah, I don't. Uh, this this just feels like uh, too too late for me. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I mean, I I play I stopped playing Animal Crossing New Horizons a while ago. I felt like I really enjoyed my experience with the game and mm-hmm. you know got my money's worth. Um, I yeah, that that's an interesting point. I feel like they sold so many copies of this game that yeah. you know even if it doesn't bring everybody back, bring reengaging some people would still be a lot of people, and I, it also feels like it is completely rife for a welcome amiibo type big um content update like we saw with new leaf many years after animal crossing new leaf was released and so uh yeah it it, there's been speculation and it kind of feels this way that it's possible that covid really messed with whatever post-release plans you know they had for it for such a huge audience i do think that you know, like the updates that we've seen in this second year have been a little bit disappointing, but nothing that would like bring me back into it. But like a big, you know, like welcome amiibo or like a substantial update like that, I I think would draw a lot of people back in. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with that. You know, it's it's something that we've talked about with like, um, Super Mario Kart or Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, um, that like that game has sold so many times on Switch that practically its own platform right now right so releasing either free or paid content for either of these games uh that there is such a big audience that is like already engaged with it um that it, it seems like leaving uh money or attention on the table um to, to not add to both of these uh sort of in whatever way they can i sort of get that like eight deluxe is like a done product it's the deluxe right it's we, we're not uh changing that at all but like animal crossing could be like a living breathing ever changing thing uh and it just uh has it isn't or hasn't been i also think that i like i'm by no means an expert on the internal structure of nintendo and so yeah. i don't have any clue how many people are working on animal crossing content compared to how many people have moved on to splatoon 3 i think it's the same team that does like both that would make sense and yeah. so like i i think there is a totally a world where animal crossing new horizons right like has a team dedicated to it and all they're doing is like maintaining it as a live platform like i feel like that's what happens with a lot of uh mmos is you have like a team that they're tasked with they like build it and then another team eventually steps up and they're the ones that are creating like new content for it all the time and um i just don't know that nintendo has like the or that they choose to use their resources in that way, where they're like, right. you are just the Animal Crossing New Horizons team, and you will forever be creating new content for Animal Crossing New Horizons. Yeah, well, and they're also, like, not really set up for that. You know, I, I mentioned that it's, like, leaving money on the table, not, like, charging for that content. But that's also just, like, not the uh, economics of that game, right? That you sell the game once, and that's it. That's the, you never You're never asked to pay any more. And I think that is part of what makes it uh, a game that you know parents are comfortable letting their kids play for you know however you know there's there's no um there's no danger to playing animal crossing yeah you know and it's weird because the mobile like that version of animal crossing does exist yeah, true. 
Yeah. I mean, Pocket Camp on mobile phone. But it's just interesting to me that Pocket Camp seems to be doing fine, right? It like yeah. is chugging along. It has new content updates. Um, when Nintendo reveals like every quarter or whatever how their mobile games are doing, Animal Crossing is doing totally fine. It's not like Dr. Mario World, which is getting its plug pulled. But it it seems like in some ways I'm surprised that Pocket Camp is not like a bigger hit because it seems like you know it's yeah. free to play. We saw how huge Animal Crossing got on Switch. And so there is just something about these like Nintendo properties that outside of Fire Emblem Heroes and, you know, Mario Kart Tour is doing fine, but it's like, uh, that's not how people want to engage with them. Like, it just seems yeah. like, you know, like more people chose to engage with Animal Crossing New Horizons by buying the $60 version on Switch rather than the free version that you can play on your phone because that like live version does exist yeah yeah wow that that is uh that is sort of mind-blowing to think about i i mean i i think there is something to just being like okay now the game is not gonna bug me anymore right like i'm just going to which especially for animal crossing is such a um you know the game is just about like settling into a groove and making your own fun and all that stuff and if you uh, are running up against like the artificial constraints that want you to spend money on premium currency to whatever um you know you start to be stressed out by the actual economy and not the economy inside the game um so i i wonder i wonder if it is like truly a psychological thing that like tying it to real dollars um makes it less fun than just playing with bells yeah and it's like well you're doing like in animal crossing you're doing a lot of tasks for like other like neighbors and villagers and stuff like that but maybe it's like when it's internally motivated it's more fun than when mm -hmm. you're doing it because that's like the uh that's the only way that you can like i don't know you know like get the craft the item you want to craft is because you have yeah. to like do you have to do these three things for this villager would still be great to see them like uh just fully support uh animal crossing uh, uh, in an ongoing way like even even down to just like quality of life improvements. Yeah, I, I I love the game, but there are you know a bunch of uh, improvements that could be made to just make the game a little bit snappier and a little bit less like you know plowing your way through the same dialogue boxes over and over again. But I gotta tell you, Patrick, New Horizons is a vast, enormously vast improvement on uh, yeah. previous entries. But yeah, and you know like maybe they've been quiet because they are working on like a really big like update for it. Maybe that's just not in the cards anymore. Oh, I should. Okay. The reason uh, Brewster's Cafe is broken out specifically is because yeah. in uh, the latest update, there's a new string of code that I'm not going to read because it's um, like it's, it's a string of code. But the key part in it is talk progress museum built cafe, like one word. And uh, Animal Crossing World speculates that it could potentially, quote, be used to affect some dialogue with villagers or special characters on your island after the museum has been expanded to build the cafe. Of course, this is all speculation. Maybe it was something, maybe it's an abandoned feature. Maybe it's a yeah. callback to um, uh, the Wii U, right? The Project Cafe, wasn't that the code name for it? <laughs> sure, yeah, there you go. You're nailing it. <laughs> So, um, but fun to speculate, fun to speculate. Mm -hmm. Over three years ago, the NVIDIA Shield gaming device, which is kind of like NVIDIA released this Switch-like handheld device um, 
a few many years ago i don't even know how many at this point but like it feels like it was around the wii u era basically like the, the, a similar proposition to what uh the switch is what to the the new um valve device is but it never really took off here but they've been selling it in china and as part of you know like nvidia is the chip developer for nintendo for the switch and so apparently as part of their agreement nintendo port, uh or nvidia or somebody was allowed to port some wii nintendo first party games for the nvidia shield in china exclusively so th- not only did they port them to the shield but they were upscaled to hd so you could play these wii games in hd on the nvidia shield including mario galaxy punch out the legend of zelda twilight princess and donkey kong country returns now uh sorry just to jump in here a second and these are all also with button controls right yeah they must be they must be yeah yep i man i would kill for an uh, on tv uh, button controls version of Donkey Kong Country Returns. Totally. Oh my gosh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Um, but apparently this experiment is coming to an end. According to reports on Twitter, the ability to purchase these games has been disabled. You can still re-download them if you bought them. But uh, whatever agreement they have or whatever, like, um, yeah, whatever experiment they were running no longer happens. Just one of those, like, weird... Yeah, flash side parts of history. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mark, uh, go on the record now. Do you think this is happening because all these games are coming to Switch? No, I think I think this is happening because all these games. Oh, actually, no, I don't. But but <laughs> I, I I do wonder if it was just like a timed thing where it was like just we'll like do it for three years. I don't know if the Nvidia Shield is like caught on in China. I don't know if you know like yeah. Um. Especially now that Nintendo has an official presence there, or with Tencent, in, and is selling the Nintendo Switch like officially, it seems like that's their what they see as their path forward in China, not like a, a collaboration like this. Yeah, but also if the work is already done, like let's bring them, let's bring them over to Switch. <laughs> do you? Do you? I wonder. I I have no idea who ported who ported these games. Yeah, but I wondered like. Mario Galaxy, right? Like we got a version of it on uh, Super yeah, Mario sure 3D All Stars that had like a button control version, and so I wonder, like, and it was in 1080p. So I I do wonder if um uh there was some you know like uh, cross pollination there. I mean, come on, put them on, put them on the Switch, charge twenty bucks a pop, <laughs> and like clean up. Come on, yeah, seriously, seriously. <laughs> Outer Wilds, the highly acclaimed indie game from Mobius Digital and published by Annapurna Interactive, was announced for Switch earlier this year. Um, And although it was originally planned for a summer release, last week the companies announced the game has been pushed back uh, to the holiday season this year. Additionally, they announced a new Echoes of the Eye expansion, but for other platforms. There's no word yet on if the Switch will eventually get the DLC as well. That's interesting. Outer Wilds, there was also a, a sequel to that announced, right? I make this mistake no. all the time. The Outer Wilds Outer is like... Worlds. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The Outer Worlds is the Obsidian uh, RPG that at Xbox's show E3 showcase, they did announce a sequel that will be exclusive to Xbox and PC. This is like the indie game where it's like a time loop, and every time you do it, yeah. like there's like more of the mystery you uncover. 
I actually think my confusion was that uh, I was thinking of the Switch announcement of the Outer Wilds as oh, like uh-huh. the announcement of a sequel. So I think, I mean, regardless, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Bandai Namco revealed that Pac-Man 99 has been downloaded over 4 million times. And uh, they also revealed that new DLC will be coming to the game. I forget that uh, Pac-Man 99 exists. And I liked Pac-Man 99 when I was playing it. Yeah, let's play Pac-Man 99 again. Yeah, it... it uh, I maybe they maybe they do do them and I'm just not like uh tapped into it but I wish do they I wish I guess like I Tetris was more Maximus. aware yeah. yeah of these like Tetris Maximus things. Uh yeah, I I have not been aware of them doing any like kind of tournaments for it. And usually like if I turn on my Switch over the weekend and there is a Tetris Maximus cup like there's some sort of news item that alerts me to that that happening. Um but yeah, I I also haven't noticed that for uh, Pac-Man 99. Remember uh, when Pac-Man came out that we were all like, they're going to make a million 99 games and we're just, everything is going to be 99. And then that's, that's just been it. I mean, <laughs> well, I it I was mean, only a couple months ago. Yeah, it was only a couple of months ago. I think there is still plenty of time for them because we did get Tetris 99. Let's, we forget, we got Mario 35 RIP. And then shortly after we got uh, Pac-Man 99. So I totally think it is possible that there is a, a variation on this, this idea in the works somewhere man um, mario nine or mario uh 35 is so funny did we recognize at the time that we were living through like one of those moments in history like uh bs zelda like <laughs> no we didn't we didn't appreciate it that way there was just too much going on there was too much yeah. going on yeah you're right you're right hard to appreciate it uh, when everything else is going on finally Dr. Goomba Tower is about to see their last patient as Dr. Mario World is shutting down November 1st. Uh, the official Dr. Mario World Twitter last week tweeted out a message letting them, everybody know that the last day to play would be October 31st. The game originally launched in 2019, never really got a lot of traction. Um, so seems like Dr. Daisy is destined to end up at the top of our definitive ranking of all the Dr. Mario World doctors. Yeah, I mean, here's another one where maybe we should uh, acknowledge that we are in a moment in history that this is a version of Dr. Mario that will no longer be playable in November, and that's it. Um, that's right. Know, it's just a weird footnote in our future conversations about what the Dr. Mario franchise was. I do think it's possible that Dr. Kamek is pulling their weight and uh, is shutting down, Dr. getting Dr. Mario World shut down because they don't want to live with the shame of being our worst-ranked doctor um, in our definitive ranking. Right. Mark is, of course, referring to the list that we made a couple years ago and then have been maintaining every time they've added new doctors. Um, I will miss the opportunity to continue to rank these doctors against each other, although everyone was going to fall before the might of Dr. Daisy, who is clearly and obviously the best one. Is Dr. Baby Wario our third best doctor he is in fact the third the second best is dr donkey kong and (laughs) dr four is dr uh, lakitu and number five is dr goomba tower just uh beating out dr rosalina number six i will stop reading there but suffice it to say if you see if you are able to see any of these doctors you know that you're in good hands all right mark let's get out of the news 
That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it when you do. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nin Cart Society. You can also check out a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo, and our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellery saying none of, no baby doctors except for baby Dr. Wario. It's just too good. Thank you for listening. My name is Will Himes, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.